Hello and welcome to Film Seizure. I am one of your hosts, Chuck Moore. I am joined by the laugher in the background there, Jason Oliver. Hi, Jason. Sultry, Chuck. I always love it when you bring it up. Oh, episode. it's great. It's great. Was that sultry? God damn it. It was, was even sultry. <laughs> I, think, I think with your throat situation also, it's like extra yeah, sultry. Yeah, yeah. Like, you sound extra sultry. Yeah. Oh, it's like yeah. You're, you're, you, are, you are definitely in the uh, <laughs> Kathleen Turner phase of your life. <laughs> yeah. Well, you also heard Jeff Arbuckle there say hi, Jeff. Hey, how's it going, everybody? I'm the Watcher in the Woods while jason's the laugher in the back dang yeah watcher in the woods um this week we are watching the sexy sexy <laughs> fantasy comedy drama film <laughs> the fisher king so sexy. Half, so of those, sexy. Ha- half of those uh adjectives don't apply to this movie <laughs> no they don't and uh sexy is not one of them um <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, oh, you so can't tell we, me that you, you can't tell me that you wouldn't spend the weekend with Mercedes Rule. No, I just said sexy is okay. not one of All the right, ones that don't appear. Right. <laughs> I'll lay naked in the middle of Central Park at night with, uh, with Jeff Bridges, Jeff Bridges and, and yeah. Robert Williams. Yeah, sure. I, w- I would honestly do that. <laughs> I would honestly do that. Um, movie by directed by Terry Gilliam, based on a story script by Richard Lagravenis. Uh, I'm doing. I'm doing my best. I don't know. Here. Yeah, I don't know. Keep, I, we don't know either. I think yeah. if you don't know, embellish it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Look at Hey, by the way, Deborah Hill co-produced yeah. this too. So, she did. Yeah. So a little bit of a callback to some John Carpenter action. Yep. Oh, nice. She was um, quite a producer in her own yes. rights. Yes. Uh, she did some awesome stuff in the '90s. She helped uh, co-produce a series of Showtime movies that were remakes of old 40s and 50s uh, teen exploitation movies. Oh, nice. Um, one of which was uh, one that I covered on B-Movie Anima, Confessions of a, uh, oh, what is it? Confessions of Swarty Girls. Huh. It, it was, um, I don't, you know, just classic, like, girls just bitchy at each other kind of movie. But Always trying fun. to get your B-Movie Enema kicks in here. Hey, man, I can't help it if I've covered a lot of business here. It's true. It's true. So quickly, like I said, Terry Gilliam film, we have Robin Williams, Jeff Bridges, Amanda Plummer, and Mercedes Rule. Really a pretty... Rule won the Oscar for this, too. Yes, she did. Yes. A pretty good cast. Yes. Um, I'd say. Um, Roger Pratt, who incidentally we'll be talking about again very soon, was a cinematographer who did great work on this, I thought. Um, but really, I brought this to the table mostly on memory. And a lot of the stuff that I loved when I was younger, because I was a huge, I probably told, said this before on the show, a huge Monty Python fan. So once I realized this movie was Terry Gilliam, I was like, oh, I got to see that. And also you have like Robin Williams near the height of his power, if not at the height of his power at this time. So it's a total like, oh, I got to see that movie. Um, so 14, 15 year old me watching it on HBO. I'm pretty sure um, all of the stuff I loved about it as a kid that I remember in my head, I still love. There's some in this. Whoa. Hold on, going on mute. Oh, got a little bit of feedback there. Um, Um, yeah, I was gonna say while he, while he, before he can finish his uh, his feelings on this movie, um, 
I do want to kind of mention the rest of the cast is really bonkers yeah. in this as well. Because he mentioned the, the main players and right. all the all four of those performances are amazing. But you also have just a wonderful little performance by Michael Jeter. Oh yeah. Um, we'll talk about his his scenes later. Um, but then you've got just these really oddball kind of drop-ins, like David David Hyde Pierce is in this movie. Yeah. Uh, Kathy Najimny has one little like, yes. wild scene. As crazed. Um, yeah. yeah, crazed video customer. You've got yeah. um, John Delancey, who played Q on yep. Next Gen. He's got a scene. Um, freaking Tom uh, Waits is in this movie. Tom Waits has a scene. Uh, we have Harry Shearer. And Harry Shearer has that strange cameo as the sitcom guy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I saw that, and I was like, wait a minute. Is that Harry Shearer? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's uh, yeah, because there were all sorts of guys like this. Now, um, going back to uh, talking about Roger Pratt, uh, he's done all of Terry Gilliam's movies. Yeah. Um, with one exception, he did not do uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Uh, he missed out on that because he was working on The Avengers Oh, holy oh, cow. Oh, not a good yeah. trade off. Nope. Uh, but he did oh. 12 Monkeys. He did the Monty Python movies. He did, you know, so yeah, I mean, this is a guy who, I mean, I guess he didn't do, I mean, he did Brazil. Um, you know, it's interesting too um, that, that Terry Gilliam's style is, you know, him and, um, and George and Roger Pratt must have just this this amazing shorthand because you you get the sense that there it's a marriage of the two of them right yeah the, the way the way everything looks um, there's so much consistency in Gilliam's films from the start to the end um, and an evolution I guess even well what's because, interesting is is that he's done like very normal movies too like like uh, yeah, like he did. Um, I mean, the one we're going to talk about in a couple of weeks is Batman. That's not a very normal movie, but like he did. Um, oh, but if but if yeah, that fits the sensibility too. Sure, of, sure. Of but Gilliam, I mean, uh, but yeah, it's just it's, like some of the movies he's done, um, and he even did a couple of the Harry Potter movies. But uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, a lo yeah. there are a, a handful of movies here that are not um, crazy concept movie, like Mona Lisa is not a crazy concept movie. And he worked with right. Jordan a couple of times. Um, but anyway, yeah. Hey, uh, but you can usually get, you can usually tell it's a Terry Gilliam film from the, uh, from the camera angles. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, his, his like high and low angle shots, his Dutch angles, they're just, just close ups, uh, frantic close ups. Yeah. 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 It's big close ups. Like, and also, you know, I mean, <laughs> he will take a, a crazy kind of mise-en-scene, right, and make it even crazier, like, and he'll give it no explanation. Like, stuff, the, some of the stuff that's shot towards the end of the movie in the um, in the state hospital is yeah. absolutely fucking insane. It's like, what's that guy's story? He's bleeding from his head. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just, it's it's insanity. Um and I, I, I heard that when he made this movie, he, um, he was kind of, he was kind of, he wanted to do something outside of his normal range, I guess. Uh, he, he, it's the first movie he made that that he didn't write, I believe. Oh, Terry that's accurate. That's accurate. Yeah. Or at least he wasn't going to do another one. 
that he didn't write, and then he took this one. Yeah, and 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 I know, and it's definitely the first movie he made that that didn't feature anyone from Monty Python. Um. Oh yeah, because he even did he did uh, Baron Munchausen also didn't he? Yeah, that was yep. right before yeah. this. Now he didn't. Yeah, he didn't. Now uh, Pratt didn't do that because he was probably busy with Batman. Oh, that so, would make sense. Yeah, that would make sense. And um, also, he did three movies in '88 too, so he might have just been a busy guy. <laughs> um, Chuck, though, you were you're back. You were talking about when you were 14, 15 years old and watching. Yeah. A uh, quick story, because there may have been a loud noise there. I'm not sure what the mics picked up, but our fire alarm in our house went out, went uh, off. The, whole, the, whole, the oh. whole place burned down. He's Right now, you can't see it, guys, because we're on Zoom. I'm on fire doing Chuck this episode. Chuck is actually literally yeah. on fire, but you know what? He's a trooper. He's sticking I, it out for the Fisher King. I, I'm going to look like the Red Knight for the yeah, rest of I was going to say, is it the Red Knight? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, like 14, 15-year-old Chuck, I loved all of that stuff the red knight the um the stuff that is kind of like terry gilliam to me like when you see the red knight the first time if you don't know this is a terry gilliam film you're like okay that is terry gilliam that's monty python shit right right there just the look of all that um i didn't recall much of the love story from it from being a kid and we can get into that later because i have some problems with it me too (laughs) (laughs) but there's reasons that it's in there that allow me to accept it but i'd rather talk about the movie a little more first before giving giving those specific reasons but yeah there i still like this movie but i have some problems with it yep i um i do too i really really like this movie in a lot of aspects um especially from a forgiveness and redemption standpoint. Yeah. Um, the relationship between um, Jack and Perry is beautiful. It is, it honestly to me doesn't even need some of those, those other storylines that are happening in some ways, especially because I feel like they don't pay off the right way or one of them doesn't. Um, but we'll get into that. Like you said, um, but they're also they also kind of need to be there to ground this character in another way yeah um but um this is just like you said peak robin williams it's also peak jeff bridges for me you can see jeff bridges in kind of a transition in this role right there are moments in this movie where he is like he's almost the dude right yeah i mean it it is it's really fascinating watching his facial expressions and some of these scenes like things i'd never seen him do before that i know of i haven't seen everything he's made but that but stuff that i saw him do later as the dude well the Um, the thing is is it's his character from king kong that becomes the dude yeah (laughs) it's yeah it's it's jeff bridges in transition for sure yeah um i do think even though (laughs) the 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 female characters in this are not written well in my opinion but they are performed perfectly yeah yeah it's uh it is kind of interesting because at one point i came to the realization that oh robin williams and jeff bridges are very much what you would almost see in female characters leading up to that where they're where they're building each other up and yeah. meanwhile, Mercedes Rules and and uh, and Amanda Plummer are almost like male characters who are 
short. They're almost unlikable. They are, um, they, they cuss at each other. You know, it's like they, they don't, they are less caring about what people think about them as long as they feel comfortable with themselves. That whole scene where they were, where she was doing the nails kind of came off to me like outside of the whole nail thing and what's going on here, it feels as though this is a scene that you would have almost seen between two guys. That, that scene felt the most true to me, to be quite sure. honest. Sure. Well, the I mean, between they're, the two of them, they're, yeah. they're real characters at that point. Yes. Meanwhile, what do you have going on over in the Jeff Bridges and Robin Williams world? He's, he's giving him a makeover. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. something that two women would have done. Well, they're they're both kind of doing the same thing, but yes, you're right. right. But you're right. I, I, that is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I well, well, the two women are reversal. drinking. They're getting drunk. Exactly. They're, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, they're bitching laughing about, about bitching about men, basically. But bitching about life too. But, but, a little yeah. Bit. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, but at the same time, they come off more male to me in that scene. Yeah. I don't presume. The yeah, they come off more female in the other. I, I, I agree. Don't presume to know what women do when they're alone. No, I don't either. But <laughs> but in movies, in, in the language of movies, yeah, sure, it, right, it right, feels right. like a reversal of the sex. I was making a joke anyway. But it, but it, but it did it did it did ring true. I I thought um, yeah. there are other scenes that that don't, um, and those are usually the scenes when they're in the when they're playing off of their male counterpart. Yeah, um, and we'll get to that. Um, I uh, I don't remember the first time I saw this movie. I want to say it was sometime when I when I was working at VH1, the first video store I worked at. Yeah, I probably rented it. Never I probably heard of went. Voice. I probably went down a Terry Gilliam um, rabbit hole. Rabbit hole and and watched it. I, I Did the rabbit have big pointy teeth when you were in there? <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're a good kid. Um, I think the first Gilliam movie I saw in the theater we've already talked about was uh, 12 Monkeys. I'm pretty sure. Uh, the first one I saw in the theater was, was Fear and Loathing. The others I'd seen on video. Oh, in the theater. Okay. Right, in the theater. theater yeah. But I'd seen yeah. others. Like, I saw this one on video when it came out. Because... Um, I mean, this was one that, that made it to video um, after, surely after Mercedes Rule won the Oscar. So I was, you know, I at that point, I was like kind of keen to see it at that point. You know? right. I, it, I didn't see it for several years. Um, this is one I just flat out, I was just not, I did not have access to. I didn't, wasn't on my radar. I didn't see it for, you know, probably six years after it came out interesting but i uh, loved it and you know it might have been one of those two where like even before i was working at the video store i would buy vhs at half price books i would because they were like so cheap they would get them for like two three bucks and i would buy them just sight unseen based on pedigree or if it sounded interesting and i and i watched a lot of stuff that way it might have been one of those yeah probably cheaper than rental right in some places sometimes yeah it was because um, those were like it was it was pre DVD, but but there were so many VHS, right? It was everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Last thing I want to say about this before we talk about it in full is I don't remember a lot of 
the first part of this movie, like shootings back when I was a kid, maybe it's a news cycle thing, but a lot of this movie feels very prescient mm. now yeah. to swap, is, out, swap out the radio guy for the YouTube guy or whomever. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. It seems very prescient, but Oh, for sure. Yeah. As, as you said, the radio guy, let's, let's talk about the beginning of this movie. Cause it's yeah. one of my favorite scenes like in movies go ahead one of one of the things i will say about this is that you know you're in a uh in a terry gilliam movie when he almost dares you to get past the first 15 20 minutes and to continue to watch it because it is kind uh, of a rite of passage almost yeah it's like he does something weird um or you know because it's kind of like uh you know again saying something like um uh fear and loathing it's that you're dropped right into that to that road trip and you have no idea what's going on you can barely understand the two characters he's daring you to stick around and i kind of feel as though he's daring you to stick around with jeff bridges being just an asshole (laughs) just being a total asshole and if you stick through it then you understand what has to happen, even if it's unsavory and unfortunate. You understand from that what's going to happen later, and and you and you get the full picture at that point. But but this is very much a we're gonna we're gonna make you want to stick around, or you're going to have to want to stick around. We can't make you do that with nice fluffy characters and stuff. If they start with Robin Williams, it's a completely different movie. Um, you have to start with this. Oh, you can't. Yeah, you yeah. can't start with Robin Williams in this movie. Um, it probably would have made the overall theme make more sense if you started with Robin Williams. But it is like interesting. You have the first shot you have is in the radio station, right? Mm-hmm. And Jack Lucas is doing his shock jock BS. Um, but they never show his face until the very end. So it's almost like you're listening to him. On the radio, which is pretty cool. Um, they don't give you his face, but basically he's, what do you call him? Like a walking, um, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Contradiction. Thank you. He's a walking contradiction, right? He's railing against the bourgeois or whatever word is appropriate here when he is that himself. Yeah, right. Um, and the main crux of it right like he makes fun of a woman by finishing her sentences which is kind of funny and sad at the same time um but the main crux of it is edward is it eddie edward edwin 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 thank you edwin um is he had once told him to um ask a girl at a grocery store that he liked to marry him Right or to marry him, and she laughed at him and whatever. And this time he's like, "The girl that you like, she wants nothing to do with you. These people are not people; they're fake. They inbreed." He uses some other unsavory words, and basically says it's us versus them. Right when in reality, Jack is them. Right, <laughs> right. But that in turn causes this dude to go in and shoot up the bar that these folks we're at they don't really show it at this point you see a news cycle story which basically news, ruins jack sorry right. go ahead. and the and the news story itself is almost like something out of robocop it's very detached from empathy um yeah 
it, yeah. it's it's very matter of fact they're in people's faces who are like injured and getting treated and uh i can't remember the exact line that's used but like the description of what the guy did to some of these people is so crass that it's just as bad as jack and yeah. you know there's a whole nother angle you could take this about like media you know and how they treat this sort of stuff uh, and how they treat the the audience at times and in a way the movie's doing it to us because again you know, terry gilliam is daring you to stick around you know? everything is very callous at this point yeah. sorry go ahead jason additionally you know this is the first time i watched this movie where i think it occurred to me that jack's career didn't end because no. of this event he no. would have he would have been able to continue on doing what he did and you know spun it however he wanted to he legitimately was broken by it yeah um i i i don't think i ever really thought of it that way i think my 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 more naive brain was that the public turned on him and he and he, yeah, and no. he couldn't continue <laughs> but i don't but i don't believe that that happened because well no because he gets because, his job back so quickly once well, he no, decides he wants he to calls, do it again he calls yeah. david hyde pierce yeah and says, "Hey, I think I'm ready to come back." It's right. like, I was waiting and it's for like, your call. And it's like we just get it right, right back in motion. Yeah, right. Like because yep. the the end of this movie, I think, is literally only a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, um, but if you think about it, this is again prescience, right? Like his fan base would have loved this and defended him to the ends of the earth, and right. probably oh, grown yeah. absolutely. So certainly wouldn't like you said, maybe maybe when I was a kid, I thought he lost his job, too. But really, he was just self-loathing. Right. right. And, right. and quit working because. Right. I don't know that that is a weird point of this movie to me, because I never really see him deal with that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, he was definitely broken and needed to be. Well, well what, what's interesting to me is that. You know everything. He, the movie, of, of course, is he. All right, we'll get there. I will get there. I, I, to summarize my point, though, is um, there. He doesn't know what he needs to heal himself, and he tries right. a lot of different things. And what he realizes that he needs isn't wasn't anything that he was actually pursuing. Right? Like right. The Grail. It was it was all the things that he benefited from his relationship with Perry and potentially right. the, the relationship with his girlfriend, which is not well written, but I will talk about. Right. Um, and it's those those intangible things like him being able to connect with people outside of his own egoism that allowed him to heal. Right. Yeah. Yep. But anyway, we we can kind of go ourselves. we can kind of go right to that, though, because. He has a fight with his girlfriend um, over his drinking, and he's constantly watching. So, quickly, three years pass. He had a part. He had a part in a TV show, which he may have lost over this, um, and that may be why he's self-loathing. Um, maybe not. Don't know. But he had a part in a TV show where he read one line. Yeah. Right, and it yeah. turns it out his catchphrase or whatever. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah, what is it? Well, excuse forgive me. me. Oh, well, forgive, forgive me. me. Forgive me. Yeah. And he's working on that and all excited before he sees the news and is like, oh, shit. Right. right. I'm guessing you probably lost that opportunity over this. But I don't even know, though, Chuck, because um, later on, 
when um, he has another opportunity and John Delancey is like pitching him the the, oh, the right homeless sitcom. people. Oh, He's like, what is God. this? Another is another disappear job? Yeah, I don't well, think you're right. You're right. I think, I think he just didn't show up for the audition. You're and right. it is funny that he when he gets back to the radio station, he does say that he's going to um, have a conversation with recently ousted video or uh, TV show star Ben Starr <laughs> because he came back. Yeah. Like Harry Shearer lost the job that he would have had. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So he no, does. Yeah. He... But it, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. I was interrupting. No, no, you're good. Um, but yeah, he has a fight with, uh, I can't remember her name, Mercedes Rule, and Napolatino, Napolatano. Um, and he leaves her apartment and gets drunk in the road. And he ends up in, I don't get this shot either, really, because he's in what looks like a bad part of town. Yeah. But obviously, there are people there that don't like to see bums there. Right, yeah, which doesn't, it's like, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It does. This bugs <laughs> well, me too. I think it bugged me like ten years ago or twenty years I ago. Think, yeah, I, I do think it. It could be one other thing. It's everybody always pushing a certain group down to the point where it's like even the lower middle class people are like, we don't like seeing bums around here. Maybe, yeah. And, and they're just, but there was no they, housing there. There was nothing no, like no, that. You but could I mean, see that. It, it's also just ne'er do wells looking for trouble, basically. I mean, regardless of whether it makes sense, the scene is awesome. Yeah, he go, <laughs> he. He it's goes like the night of the living dead. <laughs> Go ahead, you explain it then, Jeff. I, I want to no, hear. No, it's fine. so he, yeah, so like they, Jack stumbles in. He's he is ripped, and a rich person did. A rich person's kid did give him a little Pinocchio uh, marionette because he thought he was a bum. Because he thought he was a bum, yep. and so that's the first of two people who think that he's a bum. Um, and so he ends up, you know, he like he he finishes drinking, you know, he's talking to the to the uh, to the marionette. He ends up basically next to or under what I assume is either the Brooklyn Bridge or the George Washington Bridge. And uh, these two guys come up, and it's like, oh, look what we got here! And we gotta say he's got concrete tied to his shoes. He's gonna jump in the he, river. He's gonna and kill. He him. is going to kill himself because at one point he does tell Anne that he. What is it? he wishes he could just well something like I wish I could just pay the check and go home or something like that. Yeah, pay you the, ever get that feeling fine. sometimes you're being punished for your sins? I wish I could just pay the fine. Just pay the, pay the fine and go home. Yeah. yeah. I think he says that later, but Right, but, yeah. but it's it's he's yeah. he's acting but, but it. But that's out how he feels. Point. Like he Right. He's looking for an easy way to end his pain. Right. Yep. He doesn't and, know or is not capable at this point in his life of atoning for what he did. Right. And Correct. so they basically tell him, it's like, well, we told you not to be around here. And he's like, don't worry, I'm, I was just leaving because he's about to jump into the river. Right. Um, and then he um, they, they start to beat him up. You know, they pour they, gasoline on him. They're going to light him on fire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This and, is like so extreme. Yeah. And, like, well, was there a rash of like bum burnings in the uh, early 90s in New York City? Like, what the hell? I don't know, extreme. but but it, it's yeah. But they they get their comeuppance because in through the fog, basically, what you know, or out through the fog walks Perry, who is uh, Robin Williams, who 
starts talking to them like he's a knight. Oh my god! Like a literal knight, and then he he shoots one guy in the dick with his little suction cup arrows. Um, <laughs> this this always confused me too, because because it is a suction cup arrow, but when he when he shoots him with it and gets him in the groin, it looks like it is in his pants. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, did he just sh- actually shoot an arrow into his crotch, and then he pulls it off? It's like, okay, he didn't, right. but it looked sure looked painful. Uh, yeah, and then um, and and he basically is toying with them a little bit, but he says he's not alone. He's got other knights with him, and out come these other bums. <laughs> shambling out like it's and one of the kids say it's like night of the living dead looks like and the night of the living dead because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i thought the same thing um yeah and so basically um they, they uh can't do nothing can't do nothing i love how <laughs> yeah i love how uh Robin Williams mocks him in that yes. scene. So well, good. And one guy takes off without his buddy, without the without the uh, suction cup to the dick guy. And uh, basically, they just kind of scare that one guy. I don't think they actually end up beating him up or anything. No, they tie him up. They tape him up. They tie him up. Tape they, him up. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Yeah, but they, basically, they just de-escalate the situation. <laughs> Yeah, and, and then and, they, and they, then it turns into a full-on Terry Gilliam fever dream. Holy shit! Yeah, yeah because like if you didn't know point, you were in a, in a in a Terry Gilliam film, you know now. You know <laughs> now because uh, an old bum is going to laugh directly at the camera at you. Um, yeah, because he says, the camera gets all woozy. Yeah, so you start yeah. getting these interchanging stark angles. Right. Oh and my Perry's gosh, like Perry looks at Jack and like realizes he's a drunk. And he also is puking everywhere too at this yeah, point. Yeah. And he says, uh, "Oh, you know, I know a place. It's got nice ambiance." And then it's a nightmare. Yeah, it's a total nightmare. And the Jeff Bridges sets himself on fire, and then he he's able to like he's able to put out the fire on his arm, and then he passes out, and then they all just start clapping. They all clap for him. <laughs> yeah. I, I do want to point out one thing, which I think is important to the story. When Perry first goes over to Jack to help him up, he has a very lucid moment where he looks at him. Like he looks directly at him and his eyes become clear. Like I think in that moment, he knows exactly who Jack is. Who he is. Yeah. Uh, I think he knows who he is. He says says later um, when he wakes up in the next morning, he says, I know know who you are. Yeah. And I don't know if that's like the the chosen or Jack. Like it's not clearly stated that. I think so yeah. too, and I think so because of the the look earlier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a lucid, um, the lucidity. That's why this performance is so good by it, by it, Robin Williams is because it, it, it weaves and in and forth. out of itself very yeah. seamlessly, and 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 I I would be I would wonder what his preparation was for this because it's very being, clear that being that Robin is, Williams probably. Well, he's hey, this is one of those examples of using Robin Williams to perfection to perfection i agree um this character has schizophrenia which yeah. we'll find out why in a moment yeah um and i was reading up a little bit about schizophrenia and the way he presents with the hallucinations with the um delusions of grandeur um you know then the mythical elements that he incorporates is all very hallmark schizophrenia um but what's important to note is that um, trauma does not cause schizophrenia, but it can trigger it. 
Mm. It can trigger in people who are predisposed to schizophrenia due to various other factors. Mm. Um, and that's what happens. And that's what we find out um, here soon in our yeah. retelling. So, yeah, he... Um, and it's also something else I want to point out, too, is that um, the the homeless people that we see and the various vagrants that we see, quote unquote, throughout this uh, movie, they are not treated by the camera or by the story as bad no. or, I mean, it, in a way, we we see them like Jeff Bridges does. Yes. At first, it's very startling, uh-huh. and it's very Terry Gilliam in your face. But yep. by the end, it you realize they're just people who are down on their luck yep. or whatever, whatever the situation is. And you know, and for for half the movie, Jack keeps calling Perry crazy. Yeah. And but at the same time, he sticks around and he sees that there isn't necessarily the negative. It's like Wake and Fright that we just talked about, yeah. where the main character, everyone that he sees is very exaggerated because yeah. of his perception, I think. But uh, but I as the movie this was goes the same. Yeah. yeah. And as the movie goes on, even when we're at the at the uh, asylum later at the end of the movie, they become more and more real people and they yeah. become more and more normal to everybody and to everything. Um, to and- me, to me, I think that the, that his arc with the homeless people really kind of, it doesn't close, but it, it, it becomes a, um, an understanding when he has his talk with Tom Waits. Yes, like you can, you can really see him empathizing, and 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 listening, right? Like Tom Waits is is telling him, you know, I'm a cautionary tale to these people. You know, he's explaining his his role in their lives, right? Which is sad, but he's also like, this is who I am, and 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 Jeff Bridges isn't isn't judging. He isn't commenting. He's just listening. Well, that I think whole it's thing, really important. That whole dialogue starts by him saying, "That son of a bitch didn't even look at you." Yeah, right. When he when he dropped the coin, but it missed the it missed the cup. But he's you know? but but then Tom Waits says it's okay. He's paying. You know, right. he's paying he not to. He's yeah. paying not, not to look at me. Right. Right. Yeah. And he breaks it down for him. And and, um, and that's that's an he, interesting thing too because I think a lot of people want to feel better by giving people something like that Mm -hmm. so yeah in a way they're paying to make themselves feel better but not really wanting to help the person only themselves there's a Um, sadness though you know when he talks about how he does to help that person he helps that person from maybe stabbing his boss right because he's so sick and tired of his job and he's sick about you know this these minor inconveniences in his life and he gives him someone to think about and say, well, at least I've got it better than that guy. Like it, it's incredibly sad, but it's humanizing. Yeah. Right. Right. 
And, yeah. and, and Bridges, you know, I think is receptive at this point. He can hear these things now at that point in the movie. And, and he doesn't know it, but he's healing. Yeah. But, but at the same time, I think this is the kind of advice he would have given on his radio, the kind of story he might have told on his radio show, too. Could be. And oh, he's maybe, hearing it from somebody that probably doesn't know him. Right. right. Or no, the, his radio show. So right. there is like kind of a connective tissue there too. I feel. I don't at know. This like point, it, at this it point, at this point, him anyway. Yeah, yeah. At this point, Jack is just Perry's friend, right? You know, they all know Perry, and right. but but no, and what you said there about this might have been something that Jack had said. Um, it's possible that that's Jack at a more pure point in his career would have said something like that. Yeah, it almost and feels kind of mirror-like. Yeah, well, earlier you... on in the movie, Jack wouldn't even lower the window in his, sub- in his submarine. His limousine. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't lower the window in my submarine. Either. I wouldn't either. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> in his limousine to give the the homeless person who's knocking at it. He's like, a, two, a couple quarters isn't going to change anything well, i feel like jack jack is that guy like it isn't explained but he probably started from a pure place right like yeah. him reaching out to people in the world he probably felt the way he was still speaking but he had money now yeah right, right. like he he became the thing he he became the thing that he railed against to become right. the thing yeah. right it's a weird cycle and i think it probably happens all the time i think i think you're right about that because be, because yeah. i don't i don't believe that he would be capable of the remorse the career ending remorse that he is suffering if he weren't that person right right yeah this isn't a person who who is drastically changing this is a person who is is realizing he's he's always been a better person and he becomes that person again well, right. and think about it like this also is that um, at that time in which somebody takes something that he said too seriously and they went out and killed a bunch of people, Jack probably thinks of himself as partly untouchable, but maybe mostly as a character or a character. Um, somebody that, you know, hey, people listen to me because I'm a shock jock. You know, it's like Howard Stern is a character. Right. Yes, he says a lot of things and he's capable of saying all of those things all the time. But we also know Howard Stern to not be exactly that personality that he was. Uh you know, and so Jack probably thinks himself that way even if he's grown callous. Right. Um yeah. so yeah, I mean, you're right. He's not capable of the of the feelings that he had if he wasn't a better person than he's kind of shielded himself. By. Right. This isn't a, like a sociopath we're talking about right. here. That's not no. what, you know, he's not healing some, you know, some uh, psychosis, you know, it, this is, this is a, a, probably a good person who, who became, yeah, just caught up in his own fame, his own ego money went to his head. I mean, I mean, this his is a classic image. story, right? Well, no. almost yeah. everyone in this movie is a product of what people have done to them. Yeah. 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 Right. Even Lydia, even Jack, even Perry, like they're all a product of some kind of external circumstances, yeah. not because they are this. Right. And, and they've right. and they've cowered into overcorrect uh, correction. Yes. You know? Yeah. 
So let's yeah. go back to. So yeah, let's go, let's go to the morning of. Um, tell us, Chuck, about the the morning after the drunken yeah. suicidal attempt. Perry is taken uh, Jack to his um, boiler room home. Um, take it from there. Yeah, we have a, a kind of peak Robin Williams here, right? Like he's he's he told Jack he knows who he is, but he also tells Jack like. You need to help me. You're the chosen one. Yeah. Look, the the I was at the. What did he say? He was somewhere taking a shit, and he, he does this Robin Williams fucking grunter shit for like thirty seconds. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, all the fat little people showed up in the air, and they told me to look at. They were fat. They were fat fairies, weren't they? Fat fairies. Yeah. Does he say fairy? <laughs> I think he does I think say he calls fairies. them fairies. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because that's important too. Um, <laughs> the the fat fairies are floating in the air, and they tell him to look at a certain page of a math magazine that he has, and he goes to that page, and he sees that this. I wish I wrote the old dude's name down because Carmichael. Um, Carmichael's important because he is the Holy Grail in his office and jack is or perry's like i can't go in and get it because he is guarding it we don't know who he is and (laughs) the whole time um jack is just like okay like trying to get out the door and jack keeps pulling him back in um (laughs) it's really kind of a funny scene i wish i could remember all the things that are said because i think even jack mutters something to himself and perry's like who are you talking to yeah no, which happens time, like it happens multiple, multiple times yeah, yeah. <laughs> and at one point he says the fat people <laughs> yeah the fat they're people. here <laughs> <laughs> that's where they're in the park i think yeah but uh <laughs> but yeah so basically he's trying to enlist jack to break into carmichael's castle to steal the holy grail and jack's like nope i'm out of here so he leaves out the basement and he runs into a man who apparently owns the building and tells Jack the sad story that Perry was a successful teacher um, until his wife was shot at the bar that uh, I can't remember the killer's name either. I'm sorry. Edwin. Edwin. Thank you. That Edwin went in and shot up after that. Perry who he had another name before that. Uh, Harry Sagan. Uh, Harry Sagan. Henry, Henry Sagan. Sagan. Went catatonic. Is that the right word? Catatonic. Yeah. yeah. He went catatonic and was in a mental institute for a few years. Why are you laughing it, at it's, me, Jason? It's pronounced I, I, institute. Because he was finishing all your sentences, just like... Uh... Oh, yeah. Well, no, he kept asking, he kept asking I questions I it had was, the answers to. Great. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, so he went catatonic, and then once he was released, they brought him back to where he used to live, and the owner of that building put him in the basement. Well, because, this really... Yeah, I mean, this was like several years. I mean, it was... The, two the or guy, three years. Yeah, yeah, it's like the guy's like, you know, the state just dropped him here, basically, um, which there's a little bit of that underplaying, too, about how, like, even the state doesn't really want to deal with people with issues. You know, it's like, yeah, don't worry. You know, we'll we'll take care of him because the state will sign off on him. It's their problem. Oh, the state when he got when he woke up, 
they couldn't they weren't going to keep him in the institution so they just dropped him back where he used to live right what's the landlord supposed to do with that you know it's like and landlord did a good thing he did a good thing but what's he what's he really supposed to do you know probably what most people would do would be like you're shit out of luck and perry would really be perry's only half homeless kind of right like right he has a place to live. It's just not a great he has place shelter. Yeah. 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 I would call it shelter. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, this, this kind of impacts Jack again, right? Like it. Oh, I met somebody by fate almost that I directly affected. But yeah. he wants to stay out of it at this point. Yeah. He still wants to stay out of it. He still doesn't understand like reparations or making good on something you've done because some of his ways of trying to get out of it is to give Perry money. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like well, even before that, he, that's when he tells, um, uh, Ian, Ian it's like, why can't I just pay the fine? Right. What we were right. talking about earlier. And then, and then he literally tries to do that. Yeah. He tries to throw yeah. money at everything. Right. Yeah. Like but pay the fine was more of a, a soulful kind of thing when he first said it but yeah he well, what, well no but i mean he literally says that in the scene right no i know he tries to i give know perry yeah. 50 bucks. i know <laughs> he's like he's like he knows that this isn't gonna work but that's the only thing he's capable of trying at this point right which is kind of funny too because he gives the money to perry and perry <laughs> sees an old an old man thinking he's at the stock exchange yes. on the road with, with a little telephone going sell 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 and he gives and then, him the 70 because it was actually 70 dollars because he gives him a 50 and he's like yeah oh oh jack you know it's like oh and $50? he's like well, how much is this gonna take and he gives <laughs> yeah. another 20 and 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 all the while like Perry's just trying to say, wow, you're so nice. Yeah, and he's trying to hug him and stuff. He's like, don't touch me. (laughs) Right. Um, But yeah, he goes over and sees the guy. He also gives him the money. And what happens, Chuck? He goes, bye, bye, bye. (laughs) 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 Which is hilarious. So good. (laughs) But then Jack runs over and he's like, no, you can't give this man the money. I gave it to you. It's your money. Right. Yeah. That's Jack not understanding. Like, well, now it's Perry's. He could do whatever the fuck he wants with it. And so Perry, Jack has Perry like, has no interest in money, really. Right. He's like, well, what am I going to do with it? Right. It's not going to get him a new place. You know, it's not going to give him a clean shower. You know, it's not. I mean, yeah. you know, not going to do him any good. And Jack just doesn't realize that. It's like, um, you know, it's like the whole thing of you know, you see the person on the corner of the street asking for help what what would do better for them a sandwich or two bucks uh you know it's like probably the sandwich if they're really in that kind of situation right buy him a sandwich and sit down and talk to him that yeah that's good too you know yeah um Um, yeah i mean the the money money is is as important as it is not as important as compassion and food and finding the holy grail and oh absolutely getting that holy grail yeah um but why is perry at that building because there's a woman there where he goes to give him the money there's a woman there lydia Lydia sinclair who he's apparently been watching for a long time he knows her stalking 
yeah yes. he knows her routine she he's she gets pushed back into the building every day going through a revolving door and he's like every day she'll be right back out <laughs> and it's Don't so worry. funny because the person who who comes in and pushes her back in almost seems like he does that specifically to spite her <laughs> yep because it's almost like a bum rush it's like the guy's waiting you know and then bum rushes her and then and yeah perry's not the day. only one waiting for it <laughs> no <laughs> which is funny um i'm trying to think of what exactly happens next but he follows her to the uh, dim sum place oh yeah they follow her to the dim sum place and watch her through the window it's really just kind of going through showing you perry's understanding or obsession whatever you want to call it of this woman and um, it's her lunch hour he always does it during her lunch hour yep he always does it during her lunch hour because she's out of her office um does he does after the dim someplace is that when he shows him the castle he shows or, him the castle yeah yeah because they follow her back to work where she gets the jawbreaker and she goes up to uh she has to try to figure out how to get into the revolving door yeah but yeah well, so- he takes her he takes them to the castle that's he explains that's where the the grail is and he, and he reiterates that he needs him to 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 get the grail because he's the one that the fairies told him would <laughs> the fat fairies told him would get the the grail um and that's kind of like when jack sort of just can't handle this kind of crazy and he tries to snap he, him out of it he tries to snap him out of it and that's and it doesn't go the way uh you he wants it to um he has a complete psychotic break he does he has a, mean, he has a break he starts seeing the the this image this hallucination of a red knight on a how horse. fucking cool did the red knight look oh, the red knight oh looks it looks awesome. super cool yeah red knight looks awesome um and he's in and this red knight he kind of looked out, a little bit like the green knight yeah a little bit yeah, well, uh, except not all mossy. Well, not right. mossy, but he had brand. It looked looked like branches and stuff. Yeah, yeah. He almost kind of looks um, uh, Japanese. A little like bit. The flags and everything. A little bit. It feels yeah. a little medieval Japanese. Um. Anyway, uh, you find out that this is the thing that's keeping Perry from from the Grail, and it's you know representative of of his trauma it's his fear it's of, a very specific it. representation yes it is yes. it is yes um and also but he also realizes that the red knight is scared of jack yeah now this could be because he he thinks jack is the chosen one that will you know be able to get the grail for him and that's that's how he pieces it together that the more he's around jack the less he sees the red knight Right. Well, he's he's even emboldened because yeah, he, he realizes that he's got his geek. He starts to chase the knight, and um, because he's got Jack on his side, he's he feels um, safe. Um, probably for the first time since since you know his wife was killed, and um, he chases him all through Central Park. This is um, fucking great. Yeah, the scene is fucking great. It is really great, and, and um, Jack is struggling to keep up. But, yeah. but Perry is just like he's on a mission, and he's dodging cars, getting hit by cars. He's he's just like Going will not Central be stopped. Park. Yeah, and then I mean, eventually Jack catches up to him. He's just sitting peacefully on a rock overlooking. And Jack um, is like, "I'm gonna open... die. I can't breathe." <laughs> and, and isn't this Perry's great, just Jack? Like, isn't this isn't this just a, isn't this just a beautiful view? Um, 
It's like, I like what he says too. It's like, uh, if we had had horses, we'd have had his ass. (laughs) (laughs) But then they hear a damsel in distress. They do. Jason, I'm guessing you want to talk about this gentleman. I mean, oh man. I hadn't thought about this actor in a several years it's been a while and i forgot that he was in this now i forgot that he was in this i have no idea because he is so freaking good in this so good Um, yeah like it's it's a damn shame he didn't get an oscar for this i know it's it's kind of one of those performances where he's he's in maybe 20 25 minutes if that it's probably been 15 minutes in this movie and he's and he's so he steals everything he's in, yeah. and he's he's like that that part you just remember, yeah. right? Like everything about his role um, was springing to mind as as I was watching again. Like I was like, right. oh my god, yes, I remember this performance. It's so good. But he <laughs> he has um, it's not quite clear to me actually what happened. Is he trying to get run over by a horse? Yes. Or did he get run over by a horse? I think he's trying to get run over, or he... He, he wants to be a damsel in distress. He wants right. someone on a horse to yes. save him. Yes. Okay. So okay. he's kind of in the same medieval yes. mindset that Perry is. At least that's right. the way I read it. Yeah. And he's he's bleeding and covered in horse shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and he's kind of having a, a, a bit of his own mental breakdown here. And Perry's trying to, trying to bring him out of it. Um, talking to him about the old, the old debutantes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the debutante, uh, the debutantism isn't isn't uh, a thing anymore. And he was like, yeah, "That's a shame." <laughs> <laughs> but he um, he gets him to to get up, and he convinces Jack to help him take him to the hospital. And um, and Jack agrees, and they go to the hospital, and. Um, Oh my God! It's he's all over his lap. It's he's sitting hilarious. in his lap. It's so good. And and Jack is really kind of being a good sport about it, and talking to him. And he's like, but he but he asks him the question. He's like, let me ask you. It almost asks in sincerity, I think, yeah. rather yeah. than just just joking, just in spite. He says, "Did you did you go crazy all at once, or was it a gradual thing?" <laughs> And that's when it gets real. That's where his character's name is um, Homeless Cabaret Singer, by the way. Which is hilarious. It is hilarious. But that's when Michael Jeter talks about his story. He talks about how he used to be a a cabaret singer. He lived for it. Um, And then he watched all of his friends die from AIDS. He doesn't say that. But, he doesn't say it, but it's not. But that's what it's. That's it's what the implication. Happened. And his, his whole life collapsed around him. And when he says that, what really breaks my heart, oh my God, I'm going to get like emotional. He says, I sound like a veteran, don't I? My dad yeah. would be so proud. It's like, yeah. fuck. That is just like devastating. It is devastating. And it also is very connective of human humans in general right like you don't always know like saying he sounds like a general uh, what, what am i trying to say here let me rescue myself he is no different than anyone else that has lost people right and not everyone not everyone makes those connections and it's important for jack yeah 
to learn that lesson throughout this movie that his loss, what he impacted is no greater and maybe less yeah. impactful than what other people have encountered. Right. 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 So it, yeah. it is, it is a very touching, sad scene. I it's agree. another thing that helped to help claw him out of his self-loathing. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because that's what he has to do. He's really like, he doesn't know what to do. All the walls are slick, right? Yeah. Like, how do you get out of this hole? Um, so what? Uh, it's gotta, right. It's right after that, that he starts to find out information about Lydia. Yeah. He finds out where she works. He knows what her first name is. He tries to call her to um, basically he says, because, okay, so Anne owns a video store that Jack just kind of works at kind of sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Most of the time he's drunk. Um, but his, but his they girlfriend live, owns the video store and they, and live, they live in the apartment yep. right above it. And so basically he's, he calls Lydia to which he's told and very, very little about like who Lydia is, what he did with Perry for the entire day. Yeah. To the point where she thought he was cheating on her, which yeah. doesn't help when he's asking for a Lydia on the phone. Right. Um, but basically, he does eventually explain it to her. But anyway, he tries to get in touch with Lydia to basically play off that you've won a free membership to our video store. And it's Lydia is like, I don't have a VCR. It's like, well, well you'll get one. <laughs> until you <laughs> until and then, you his, and then his girlfriend looks at him like with a mean stank eye. And he's like, until you get your own. <laughs> right. <laughs> and all the while, Jack does something constantly with a box of tapes yeah where he's doing the same thing we saw him do at the beginning with the radio um stingers yeah. where you know, he knows how to uh mix you know like while he's talking to her he's playing music um you know and basically he's like um he's like yeah we we got your name from all the credit card companies and she's like which ones <laughs> All, all of them, of them. <laughs> and like, what, like, was i on a list when we chose my name was there were there people around it's yeah. like what does this matter <laughs> right she's like oh, i've never won anything in my life right and so but she's it, very she's very skeptical yeah she's very skeptical she's very uh uh behind her own walls kind of like jack is yeah. she's a very guarded person guarded yeah. um yeah. she's very uh pessimistic yeah. and she is um it, what's funny is her pessimism and her guardedness is not like Jack's where there's there's a chance that you could like a Jack there's her guardedness makes her almost unlikable well i agree with that and then there was something that you said earlier though about the scene where the two women are together which comes up later but she does care what other people think about her oh yeah and that's sure. why that's why her wall is up sure i mean uh, okay yeah yeah i mean uh, yeah so basically she hangs up on them 
So Jack comes up with another idea. <laughs> oh my god, it's so fucking amazing! It's it's the best scene in the movie. I'm sorry. Every I, time, I every I've said it like three times. This is my favorite scene in different areas, but this is probably this, my favorite. It, it is absolutely fucking amazing. <laughs> I mean, then then go for it. What I happens? mean, I mean, it's it, I can't do it justice. I can't even do it like one percent justice. But um, Lydia! oh my god! <laughs> but they, Jack enlists. Um, homeless cabaret singer michael jeter to uh to dress up in drag and with a bunch of um balloons. what is the name of the video store it's like uh, uh oh it's spot on spot, spot on. on video balloons and, oh <laughs> and deliver her free membership that she won like a like a singing telegram basically yes and he just is not going to be stopped. He's like, I'm on a mission. And he he bursts into the office that she works, and he and he he's walking through, you know, looking for the right cubicle. He's he's so determined, and he passes hers, and then he's like, Nope, that's it. And he backs up. <laughs> you must be she. You must be she. And he startles her. I love how startled she is. She's like, Amanda Plummer plays this part really, really well. She's perfect. Um, uh. And then he launches into his song, awarding her the free membership. And it's, it's all about like, Lydia. Is all about Lydia. The, what and, the lyrics are, and and the and the endless videos and types of videos that, that and even she pornos will have access to. Yeah, and he, when he says even even pornos, and he lifts up his his dress, and shows, <laughs> shows her his ass like in panties. Oh my god, so good. And um, I like it when he says, uh, I can't remember the perfect line. Or the exact line was like, um, but uh, something around like the fact that you now have access to all these things that uh, that the people who don't have VCRs or something. <laughs> 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 Just this wonderful, wonderful thing, and it's it's completely dated now in its in its. Um, <sighs> I, I think it was dated when it came out. Maybe like it's it, it feels like a thirty year prior it, kind of it, thing it, to it, happen. It's it's just it's I just love the the <laughs> you're right because the, <laughs> the comedy in it is how ridiculous it is that anyone would get this excited over winning a free video rental right. membership right and it's right. it is even funnier now in in the context of you know that right but my God it is just it's as perfect perfect moment and What's I, I can't get enough i think i watched it like four times there's nothing better in that scene than jeter and Plummer's reaction but i quite loved like because i watched it a couple times too like you can see people filing in they start, to, they start to... collecting yeah. yeah oh yeah like I mean, everybody for... loves it or is just in shock right which is which is also great because it's like amanda Plummer is a character who does everything she can to not be noticed and everybody is noticing this yeah but she loves it too she has like a she does does a manic like excitement of it well nothing exciting ever happens to her right? right so she's skeptical but she's also like i gotta see this through this is amazing like this this kind of shit just never happens to me right yeah like, yeah, that's the only way like this spectacle is the only way to convince her to come into the store yeah they went they went then, zero to 60 on that and then yeah. she goes in uh confrontational yeah so it's almost oh, yeah. like well you got me now you yeah. know and oh yeah she's like so how does this work 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they've also, tried to dress up Perry the best they can. They put a video store. Oh, my God. They just put on the shirt on over they him. him and a, they, they give him a, um, deodorizer, a car freshener. A car deodorizer a car yeah. Freshener. Yeah. <laughs> to wear. It's like, oh, yeah, that's good. You'll smell like a pine tree. <laughs> this is great. This is perfect. Um, one little thing that I noticed at the video store, I don't know if you guys did, but this movie's TriStar, which was Columbia. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, every single movie at their video store was the Columbia box. What well, was a Columbia box, but like, because they were very, very unique the way they the the side uh the sides of their boxes were and i'm like oh my god all they have are, are columbia movies <laughs> like that's, that's awesome. even the pornos they were columbia pornos <laughs> oh no <laughs> no they, uh no those weren't but that was interesting how they had to go into the office yeah like to get the pornos yeah yeah i remember what vh1's porno room smelled like i would not well, want that to be the office well that was their back room right like it's yeah. the only back room they had in this small little thing but amanda Plummer is so fucking clumsy in there it's hilarious. oh my god they knock every video off every shelf it's great yeah, yeah. because also robin williams is really nervous and extra clumsy now <laughs> yeah when he's trying to catch shit he knocks more movies <laughs> more down. down yeah <laughs> And then Jack is just kind of fucking duding. Like, it's very dude in this scene. When he's sitting behind the bar, like, oh, well, we'll just throw in the thing, man. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, then, and then she says that she wants, she wants, likes musicals. That's what she, that's Ethel Merman. And then <laughs> they go, Merman he goes over and he's like, well, this is our entertainment center. <laughs> and it's the spinning, spinning rack. And it's got all the musicals, apparently. He's trying to offer a bunch of musicals. She's like, we got anything with Ethel Merman. And he looks over it. At Anne, and she's like, no. And she's like, what? I, she's but, like, so she starts to throw a tantrum. Oh my God. It's that. She starts to throw up. a tantrum. And she's like, this is a ripoff and everything. And then, and I love the delivery of, um, of Robin Williams at this point. After she throws a tantrum, he looks back at Anne and he just says, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then Anne says, I think I just ordered something. And then, like, just like with daggers in her eyes. Well, did you or didn't, didn't you? you? <laughs> <laughs> so this is the comedy. This is the part this is where the I comedic would... part. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but and then Jack is like, no, she she did. She ordered them. They're coming. Uh, it's a funny scene. Because like, there's scene. a lot of funny scenes in the movie. Like I can understand to some degree how people can position this as a comedy but at its core it's not but it is it takes a lot of the weight of this yeah. movie off of it by by accentuating some comedy moments i have a feeling that this movie was sold as a comedy because you wouldn't bring people in to a robin yeah. williams drama yeah 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 right I mean, like, like even, even though even it's like, not yeah i mean yeah. Like, definitely yeah uh, i bet people because like uh, Good Morning Vietnam was sold as a comedy, but it's got some heavy shit in it. Right, right, right. Um, Dead Poets. He's Society. very serious in that movie too. He, right. I mean, Robin he does he it. does the act for the radio, but the rest of it is very serious. Right, right. Um, the um, uh, Dead Poets Society sold as a as a comedy, or no not way. sold as a comedy, but but sold as the the parts of the trailer that you see him and he's doing all of the you know the 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 high energy stuff in the trailer not sold as a comedy but it's oh that's robin williams doing robin williams things 
Right. That you movie know, was so- kind of a shock to the system, like yeah. watching Dead Poets Society. I love but that movie. We yeah. should talk about that sometime. Yeah, sure. We should. Um, um, but yeah, so no, I mean, this is uh, the same thing in this. The trailer, which I think that was Dead Poets Society. No, um, never mind. Uh, I'll just back out of that conversation. <laughs> the, trailer, uh, but, the trailer for this was, was Robin Williams the, being Robin Williams yep. in the medieval stuff. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, it was like the, this is Terry Gilliam and Robin Williams, basically. Yeah. Terry Gilliam, Robin Williams, and guess what? Robin Williams is crazy. Yeah. 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 Uh, Who doesn't want to see that? Yeah. Yeah. See? Man, see that. It's uh, the Caspian, see? I'm sorry. Go ahead. But anyway, so yeah, at this point, um, it's like, okay, well, we also want to try to let's go out on a double date. <laughs> and Most ridiculous get, thing in this movie right. by a lot. So yeah. I think this is where you guys have your your major issues. So I will uh, defer. Okay, it's not even yet, but it maybe it is for Chuck. But it's it it. I'm still. It's not actually. I, I'm still with it at this point. Um, I'm with it for the whole Chinese dinner scene. I think it's oh that it's scene hilarious. is great. That it's scene great. is great. It's kind of Charlie Chaplin-y. Yeah, and but when, it's also charming. Is like these two are actually might be perfect for each other. Uh, you know, oh, yeah. It, yeah, it's yeah. like yeah, and I can't. Yeah, you know, it's like if that's even possible, these people were born for each other. I'll say yeah. that for this scene, it's fucking ridiculous that this even happens. But in the context of the movie, it definitely works. Yeah, yeah, right. Like it, like what it really accomplishes is you. You have these two people. Um, Perry and Lydia, who are just kind of discovering each other. Yeah. yeah. Right. And it's wonky and weird and they're goofy and ridiculous. And then you have Anne and Jack who have been kind of struggling through years of like difficult romance. Right. I don't even know if you can call it romance, but like just well, difficult. Jack's, Jack's never even told her he loved her. Right. Yeah. But this doesn't make him tell her he loves her, but it makes him remember what the romance of their relationship was At right least for so a you have, bit. it's almost <laughs> like two adults being with two children just realizing like there's magic yeah sure in relationships i, I, I hope i, I hope say, it's hard for me it's hard for me to yeah go ahead Chuck, or jeff I'll, I'll germinate on what i'm gonna say here i i will say that i think there's a lot of actual heart in this part of the movie um i think that there is you, you you know it's like uh, to use an old term he kind of rooting for the two weirdos sure oh for sure you know and it's like uh, um there you can i mean there's a lot of things that you would say don't don't do what what perry does <laughs> like don't like don't be like perry as far as like following her around and everything but Bingo. there's also there is a I don't necessarily feel I never really felt that oh these people need to be away from each other. This isn't a this isn't a licorice pizza situation where I think these people need to be on opposite no. ends of the fucking planet. No. No, no, I no I, I, I agree, Jeff, with with everything there. Um I think that it is very sweet and there's a lot of heart to it and it has nothing but good intentions. Absolutely. Yeah. I do believe that when he walks her home and she 
kind of tells him how the rest of the night is going to go. Um, that's also very good. Yes. And she, and, and she explains to him that, you know, I'm going to feel good in the morning for a, an hour or two. You're not going to want breakfast. Never, and you're never going to call. And I'm going to start to slowly feel worse and worse about myself. Why do I continue to do this to myself? Right. That is all heartbreaking. And right. I believe that to be true. When he then, you know, and he, he hears her and he reacts to that and he's like, hey, hey, we've just, you know, met, uh, had a relationship, had sex and broke up all in five minutes. It's like, let's slow down here. You know, and he explains her, I don't want to go up with there with you. I'm old fashioned. I want to get to know you. I, I want to start with a kiss. Like this is all again, wonderful stuff. But then he starts to tell her that he's in love with her and that he knows her routine and he's been watching her for God knows how long. And I don't believe that she reacts appropriately. I think she reacts to a male fantasy. And yeah. that's where that's where I like, fuck. I mean, I wasn't even writing notes because I didn't remember how she took that. Right? I didn't remember where the scene went next. And I was writing notes. I was like, oh, no. Oh, no, 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 Perry. You know, this is not the way to do this. Um, you know, maybe you do need to be honest at some point about this. But I didn't see that scene going well. And when, she, oh, and when she like starts to cry and cradle him in her, his head in her hands and, and kiss him, I was like, uh, I don't know. I don't here's, know. Here's my problem with it, which is different than yours, but my problem with it would eliminate what you have a problem with. It was so childish up to this point, like an infatuation of like an 11 year old kid who followed a girl down the hallways and, you know, they have yeah. their meal and they're goofy. Yeah. Like they're, they're almost childlike. Yeah. Having that very adult conversation ruined the fun of their relationship for me. It would have been better if he just had a kiss and like just an innocent little step kiss and walked away without having any of that adultness yeah. to it because they're not the adults in the movie right it's like a right. breaking character almost for these two but he could have started remembering again what his past was and still had that break yeah. in the road without that conversation so i think taking the childlike I, I nature of them away from them is what made me dislike it that's fair i think that you know and maybe i don't know and and uh, there is kind of an old-fashionedness to that scene too but they weren't being serious at any moment until no. that point. It comes out well, of nowhere it, almost. It it might have been a well. You've gone this far. Why don't you go? Then you know maybe it was like a throw it in on the on the final rewrite or something. Yeah. I, I don't know. But to me, but it also it feels true to her character to this point, though. It's like why is she so hardened, right? Right. And you yeah. get you get you get that from her. Um, I do agree, Chuck. It it. it it does kind of eliminate both problems um, to do it that way, but I don't know. Is 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 she as good a character without her moment? Probably not. But I think that speaks to the almost kitchen sink approach of this movie. That maybe there's one extra relationship in this movie that doesn't need to be there to make everything work. Yeah, like it's Perry's fair. Perry's arc maybe doesn't need to be that way. We don't need. For me, I think this movie could com be complete with Jack getting his arc and Perry being the 
the person who pushes that along. He like I don't I don't know how to explain that. I I I do I do understand. Um, and I and I honestly kind of agree. Um, because at the end of the day, when Perry's back in the hospital and Anne is there, it's not what saves Perry. No. Um, it's a nice little thing. He's already saved. I'm not totally sure how true that even rings, right? I agree with that, too. It feels a little bit Hollywood, a little bit like, oh, we want to see both characters get the lady, right? Um, Very cliche. It's very old Hollywood. Um, And it also doesn't give us any of, I don't want to skip ahead too much, but Perry just gets a happy ending with no growth. Like, we don't know. We don't even know his mental state. Yeah, we don't even know if he goes back to being Henry again. Right, we know nothing about him. Yeah. So I that's why I think you could cut out his that arc of his because it doesn't pay off in any meaningful way. Right. And I don't need like personally didn't need it to, so why is it there? Yeah. If yeah. that makes sense. Although I will say that there's one thing I would still keep in the movie when we get to it. But I right. I mean, I yeah. I, I, I don't want to spend too much time on all that, but it's a yeah. little, it was a little, but, uh, but my, my criticism of both of, of this movie is in both of their relationships because, right. because ultimately the relationship between um, Jack and Anne is resolved way too neatly as well. And, well, it, well, like, uh, and in yeah. a way, and in, in a way that is contradictory to her character because she constantly is talking about, you know, don't treat, treat me like, um, like a fool or I forget the word she uses. You know, or dope. She's like, I won't be treated like a dope. I'm not a dope. And yet she's so quick to accept him back. Um, that Should I address this now? Yeah. It's like, it, you don't, she, it's, it's, it's so like trite. It's like boiled down to like, she slaps him and then she kisses him. It's like, oh my God, that's not real. It is not real. And you know why it's not real? Because this is a fucking fairy tale, and they have happy endings. Fair enough. Like this yeah. movie is it is a literal. But if that's the case, then 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 you got to give Perry the girl too. I guess it's, I don't even think she needed to be in the movie. Huh. Personally, I like her a lot, but I don't think she's needed to tell the story. Well, there would have to be something else, but yeah, probably. Um. But he does get the girl. So the ending, like Perry gets the girl, Jack gets the girl. It's all very fairy tale. Uh, it and is, the but movie I, but I is. That, a, but I think that, can, that demeans it a little bit because I think it, I can agree. Ri- it can rise above it. It allows me to accept it because this movie li- quite literally is a fairy tale. Oh, you I have accept fairies it. telling Perry, like, you have to go get the grail. It's like the fairy godmother, like giving him powers to find the chosen one to go get the grail and all that shit. Sure. Like, I mean, just the fact that he gets the grail and gives it to him, it somehow brings him out of his catatonic state. Right. We can talk about that too. Right. Well, that, that, that I think is the most um, unrealistic thing, but it's the payoff. It's, not, it's the story, it, but, it's, but it's the story and it's not the grail itself. It's not the cup that did it. It's the, the intention. Right. Well, let's it's, talk it's, about the. It's, it's the story of the of the Fisher King. Yes. Exactly. Yes. So, do you want to d- describe the Fisher King, Jeff? Should we actually mention yeah, that because so it's the, the name King, of the movie? Yeah. So, the Fisher King is an old Arthurian legend that um, basically this is technically, I believe, post Arthur. Although, I, again, 
Jason and I were talking about this yeah. earlier. There's been so many iterations of it that even like the the famous um Lamorta Arthur it does not clearly state who the Fisher King is. Uh, but he also is known by the Wounded King. Um, basically, it's a tale of a uh, of a king who was uh, basically the final uh, um, the, the final keeper of the Holy Grail and protector. His, his yeah, protector. Yeah, and he is his health and the state of the English island basically are intertwined and he becomes injured at one point that he ends up becoming bedridden and the state of the country goes south and then um somebody and in this movie is told it's a fool that that ultimately discovers the grail gives the king a a, a cup of water when he said he was thirsty um, with the grail and it heals him and the land and everything is perfect. And he realizes that the Holy grail was there the whole time. And how did the fool know that that was the grail? And he says, I didn't know. I only knew that you were thirsty. Um, that was used and adapted to a certain extent in the John Borman's um, Excalibur, which Jason and I talked about many, many moons ago. Um, and that is essentially the third act of, of, Excalibur, it's been adapted and and changed and, and this movie, and the third act of this movie too. Yeah. yeah, so it is, and it is also often tied to Percival, who was the person who uh, discovered the the Holy Grail in one of the tales. Um, it's it's just it's mixed into that whole mixed bag that is the Arthurian legend. It's like the Bible. Yeah, pretty much, yeah, pretty much, and it's <laughs> it's told in many parts with many characters, and uh, the Fisher King is not usually it, it is not the same person as King Arthur, and is usually either depicted by one of three or four different characters in most yep. in most stories. So, but anyway, there you go. Yes. So don't after, I sound smart? Yeah. <laughs> so after the the meeting at the steps, we talked about this um, when Lydia and Perry have that that conversation we were critical of. Um, Perry gets his kiss and goes out in the street, and he has another break. Right, like the the kiss brings out memories of his past, and we finally are shown the shot that killed his wife um, and her head exploding and the blood splattering on Perry's face, which is what the red Knight basically represents is that is that vision that he had vision of the blood coming towards his face. Um, so he runs off and he ends up at the same place. <laughs> the Jack was at yeah. earlier, which is kind of goofy a little bit again, but he ends up there and those same two guys come there and they beat the ever living shit out of Perry. And oh, they honestly, slash him and they, they, they could have killed him, honestly. And he I mean, thanked them. Probably trying yeah. to. Yeah. He thanked them for trying to kill him. Like, this is the release that he's going to get the release. But forget yes, the beating. Because it's during the psychotic breaks where Perry is, is confronting his reality. 
Yes. And he's mm-hmm. feeling the weight of his grief. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So the beating like takes that away from him again, right? Like it gives him something else to focus on, but he ends up catatonic again, right? As Jack is feeling great about setting up Harry with Lydia and yeah. he's starting to think, Oh, I can go back to my work. Um, and, uh, What's her name again? Anne is super happy for him. And And they're talking about buying a house. Well, she is. She is, right. Yeah. No, she is not. Yeah. No, that's why I said she is. Oh, sorry. Misunderstood you. Um, Yeah, she is very excited about their future. And Jack's like, I don't know about our future. Like, I'm just now coming to terms with my stuff. Basically, I want to go back to work. I want to think about this. They have a fight. Then they get a call that um, Perry is in the hospital. So they run over there. Perry's catatonic. He's out. Um, She, the doctors, again, Jeff, you brought this up earlier, like the state and taking care of someone that's kind of real dismissive. And the scene, oh, like, and then, sorry. Giving, giving away information about his state and his condition to, and then asks, "Oh, wait, are you a family man? Ah, fuck it, who cares? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, who cares? He's yeah, going to go back into the he's system. Gonna, he's you gonna, don't need to worry about. He's going to get. He's going to get the care. You know, don't worry about it. State will deal with him. Yeah, very dismissive. Yeah, yeah. Um. So Jack does go back to work, and. He's walking across. He's going to meet with Q. Yeah, he's going to meet yeah. with Q with David Hyde Pierce. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and the homeless cabaret singer is being booted off of whatever you call that, the terrace or outside of the building, the sidewalk, whatever. Yeah. Um, and he's screaming at Jack, like, I know you, I know you. Talk to me, help me, whatever. And Jack appears to have appears to have gone back to his old self right hasn't learned a fucking thing he goes upstairs here's the story of the show that one of you mentioned earlier about homeless people but it's going to be a comedy it's going to be they're not going to be and and, 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 but they're not going to be looked at as bad people they're going to be wise and it's like oh my god oh it's so so bad and and they they want to be homeless they want isn't that great yeah oh god it's so bad so bad but this kind of snaps Jack out of this yeah. delusion he's gone back into, right? Or like of, I don't care delusion. Right. Well, because he and knows these people better than that. Yes. Um, and he gets up and he runs off and he goes to try to find the homeless cabaret singer. He can't. So the next thing he can do is go back to. to yeah, to Perry. Yeah. And oh. oh, we lost. Oh, he's. I think he muted himself. It's okay. Oh. Um, anyway. he said he said but this, yeah. but he warned us that this might happen. He might lose. His yeah, voice. I know he might. He might lose his voice. Yeah. So anyway, so the um, yeah, and at this point, he's like basically, he he's he's unloading on Perry at this yeah. point. Yeah. And he's basically like telling him, it's like you've got it easy. You're insane. You know, it's like you don't know what I have to do to live. And as he's kind of unloading, he's also, I think, coming to terms with realizing 
what the implication of everything. He's kind of arguing with himself, if you can yeah. hear me. Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah. So he so he basically gets to the point where it's like, oh, okay. So if I go and get you the Grail, you know, I you you'll you know you'll you'll snap out of this horse shit or whatever, and you'll basically is like, so if I go do this for you, you're gonna let me free more but i'm not doing it for you if i'm not doing it right or i'm not doing it for me if i do this i am doing it for you sorry right but yeah but the but the uh, you still get the impression that he's at his he's at the final stop in his arc yeah but he is being kind of true to himself or to his character that ah you you know i'm gonna do this but He's he's gonna be. I can't think of the word that I'm looking for, but he, he's tried to to downplay. Yeah, downplay it for himself because he still can't get over his ego, right? Right. Exactly. right. But but in That's reality, but in reality, he's he's doing probably truly the first selfless thing he's done since we've met him. Right. Right. He's and doing, how does? He's doing. He's gonna. He's going to do this thing, this act, this crazy thing, out of pure kindness, because he he in friendship, because he is he can't lose Perry. Perry is has become important to him. Um, he's his friend, and, and it's literally represented by him putting himself in Perry's, Perry's shoes. Absolutely, yeah. yes. he becomes the fool. He well, he's yeah. always been the fool, but now he has. He has yeah. represented. He's accepted it. He's yeah. accepted yeah. that he's the yeah. fool. Yes. Um, and his little break in is kind of hilarious. We don't have to go through it, but his little bows and arrows. <laughs> yeah. He's like yeah. Perry. It's right. Basically. He is. He's totally become Perry. Yeah. And yeah. he also sees the Red Knight. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. And he hears which, the horses. <laughs> right. But it, it. But he sees him in in the form of Edwin. He's facing his own Red Knight. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So. Um, but yeah, and he even does. He even goes one step further. Yeah, and helps somebody else. Yeah. Uh, well, this is important because this is the Fisher King story being retold. Uh huh. Yeah. Here, you got Carrington who's dying. Well, he's committing suicide. Yes. Well, he's committing suicide. He's dying, and Jack can leave the way he came in. But instead, he purposefully trips the alarm and saves Carrington, Carrington's life. Yep. There so is the f- one thing in this in this moment. It's also that I, an easier way to leave. If I'm being, it is, it is, well, but, but it is, it is a Fisher King fool thing. Yeah, yeah, for right. sure. But there is one thing though that is more accurate than anything else could possibly be accurately portrayed in this movie. He is barely outside the door of this mansion before you hear the sirens coming to save the rich yeah. white guy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Very true. Very For true. Sure. For the sure. The old rich guy who's lived a life, he can fucking die. You know, he's old. Yeah, you don't need him around anymore. Divvy up his riches to the people like Perry. You know, but well, I mean, Jack chose to save him. He I know, died. I know, I know, I know. But it's just, it's funny how fast you hear the sirens. Right. But anyway, uh, yeah. So then he takes the, this chalice or this trophy really is what a it trophy is. for Carrington's kid. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. It's like, I don't even know, yeah. like, I don't even know what the significance of this is other than it looks like a grail. 
Yeah. There is no significance. It's a kid's trophy for yeah. a baseball game or something. Something, yeah. yeah. And he gives it because it's from like 1972. So it has no relevance to Henry or Perry as he became Perry or his wife. Nothing. No. Right. So he, he delivers it. And he's like, all right, so now you're going to wake up, right? Oh, okay, you got to think about it some more. All right, fine. <laughs> and so he, he he goes to sleep, and, and uh, Perry eventually wakes up. And we do find out uh, that uh, earlier we did find out that, that Lydia had continued to come and visit him. So apparently she found out somehow that he got slashed up. Yeah, right. Uh, the only reason why Jack knows is that the hospital called Jack because uh, Jack gave him his wallet so that he would pay for the date for with Lydia. Yeah, yeah. And, yes. And he didn't. Get, he dinner. forgot to get it back. Yeah. Um, so. There is a moment here when when Perry does wake up that gives us a little clue of maybe where Perry is in the future because he says, "I had a dream. I had a wife." Yes. Is uh, it okay was... for me to miss her now? Yeah. 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 That, I like that line a lot. It's great. Um, it's, it is an excellent way of processing loss. Yes. You know, because at some point you do move on and moving on means that you miss somebody. It's not that you're holding on to that memory. Right. It's, it's you're now missing. You're not trying to keep presence. them alive. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and it that's, also, that's an and it also thing. didn't take the weird easy way out of just, healing him completely right right because did you get a little bit of that with his next encounter with um uh what's her name lydia lydia, lydia. because agree he he he's like where you been yeah <laughs> he's like he's kind of oblivious to you know some of what's happened to him he's still he has processing to do right right but he's finally on his way to healing right yeah Yep. And, there is hope there. Right, exactly. Because, like, if he can, you know, if they've got the Grail essentially defeated the the Red Knight and he's able to move on past that that tragedy, then he's, yeah, I mean, in time, he probably will be Henry again. Yeah. But he's going to become Henry with Lydia. But let's let's be real about the 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 medical shit in this if he has schizophrenia which he does uh he still has schizophrenia right Absolutely, yeah he he maybe doesn't have schizophrenia he or he may he still has schizophrenia but he's dealing with his his subsequent and in tandem post-traumatic stress right sure because he's got both of those things um so he's got a long, long way to go. <laughs> oh yeah, if we're being he's going to have he's going to have fist loads of pills to take. Yes, for yes. the rest of his life. Right. If if he even will take those, because that's going to be another problem. That's going to be another hurdle to yeah. jump. Uh, does he like the idea of being better, or better, quote unquote, better, or does he like who he is now? Right. Right. Yeah. That's a whole other thing. By the oh, way, also yeah. another uh, another adaptation of the Fisher King was the Natural. That was one we all talked about. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh damn, I didn't realize that. Huh. Yeah, Roy Hobbs was Percival, and Pop Fisher was the Fisher King. In that, well, I'll fucking pretty be. good, pretty good. Um, so yeah, I'll be honest. I thought 
when I watch this movie that one of you is going to really dislike it. I huh. don't know why, but that was what I thought. So this actually, no, I, I remember better. liking this movie and I, and I was glad to see it again. Me I was too. too. I was but too I had like... more problems with it than I remembered, but yeah, I, I do too. I do too. I mean, um, it's fine to have the problems that, I mean, it's fine to have the problems. I mean, yeah, I can, I can kind of, not necessarily forgive those problems. I can look past them in two ways. One is a 30 year old movie and two, it is told like a fairy tale. So they're all, that's how I let them get away with it. Right. Yeah. And that, and it's the fairy tale makes it by almost default and old style kind of old fashioned. And they have happy endings and they have happy endings, but but it can have a happy ending without it having like, (laughs) I agree. I agree. With without her just like falling back into his arms, like it could still yeah. be happy. Oh, sure, it, there there sure. could be there could be an opportunity there for her for him to win her trust, right? She doesn't have well, to there, the door there, or there even Jack's there. understanding of himself is happy enough. She doesn't really need to come back into it, but fair. But enough. if yeah, but I mean, I mean, I'm, but I'm, I'm okay with that scene. If he even says to her, "Look," you know, he explains it to her. He's like, "Look, I understand. I have work to do." Um, I hope we can go out on a date or something like that. And she agrees. Like there's, there's a more realistic and mature way of writing her and him in that scene. No, and they, think, they did I the mature shit better. for Perry and Lydia earlier, <laughs> yeah, right. which I don't think they should have. But that didn't work which either. Is kind yeah, of funny. But, but that didn't work yeah. either for a different reason. Both, yeah. the, both of the women were, were written in this way to be conveniently, Re, reunite, re, reunited or united with a man yeah. and that that is why i have a problem with it today sure. um i would you could rewrite both relationships and a movie would still work really well and it would work better in my opinion but other than that i really like it but and ultimately but it is the story also... ultimately the hard story is is perry and jack absolutely and and, and, and the fact that they finish on the on the green of central park yeah. naked looking at the stars because yes. it's 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 a way to to um he kind of describes this like if you look at a cloud and you can you know you may have the power to separate the clouds to see the the sky or the sea it's all a metaphor of like you know cutting through stuff to 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 picture yourself in a better place or to to heal you know or to or to be your ultimate self but it's uh it's all nice it's all very very pleasant uh um, jack and jack looks wide-eyed up at the sky like he like he's the dude traveling underneath a bunch of women's legs <laughs> on a bowling alley yeah uh, <laughs> well i have a feeling in a couple months we'll be talking about that movie am i right chuck i don't know i haven't decided yet but yes <laughs> we will so uh anyway but no it's um and also it's important to to note that all four plus um Derek Jeter are excellent in this movie. Jer- yes, Derek I, Jeter? yes, I yes, I said that on purpose. <laughs> I wanted to see the look that Chuck actually gave. I was like, that was fantastic. No, I mean, Michael Jeter so, I... and the and the four main they are pitch perfect. Yes, they are. Yeah. Yes. I I'm surprised I wasn't the one who because yeah. i was struggling with that earlier yeah i kept giggling to myself all all day yesterday when i was like ah Derek jeter <laughs> <laughs> never once did that so there you go, <laughs> there you go. Um, um 
yeah glad you guys like this on rewatching it. it it makes sense to me that you do but for some reason when i watched it i was like maybe someone's gonna not like it i don't know why nope nope this is a good movie this is a, cool it's a good movie I- what's next who picked next what is next next we are going to i mean okay so next week next wednesday is may 31st and that usually means that you know what in some instances for some people summer is already kicked off in other instances summer is about to kick off but um let's get in, let's get into the mood of the season and um let's talk about some summer movies man Ooh, summer movies man so we're gonna do another thing uh another one of those uh situations like we've done with horror tropes and the movies in 97 and i feel like there was another one we did but maybe not Uh, (laughs) i think those were the only two that we've done so far those are the only two okay so this is going to be another one of our just discussion topics some light and breezy talk about some good stuff and that good stuff is going to be summer movies um i was a kid who lived for summer because i didn't like going to school (laughs) i went to school i was an okay student i just didn't like going to school Mm -hmm. but i loved going to movies in the summertime um and which is funny because i still like seeing movies that are made for the summertime audience but um but i hate summer (laughs) <laughs> it's funny how that works out in life man. yeah 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 you, you gain well it wasn't 95 when we were kids well yeah. that's true yeah you gain about 80 pounds and all of a sudden uh 90 90 humidity and 88 degrees sounds like shit yeah anyway so um yeah so that's going to be next week we're going to talk about summer movies and then it's going to be summertime and we've got some fun planned for summertime I think it's going to be real fun summer. It is. So, yeah. So it's going to be good times. Um, yeah. Do that next Wednesday, May 31st. Uh, before that, though, there are two other things that are happening. Um, tomorrow, I have a, a special film seizure at the movies where I'm going to talk about it's just some personal feelings and thoughts I had on the Star Wars trilogy. Um, Interesting. Tomorrow is the 40th birthday of star wars coming to a close i'm just gonna say it like that and leave it like that because the rest of it i feel like you can take it or leave it um you know man it's about 50 it's about 50 50 on whether you can take it or leave it um so anyway um that's gonna be tomorrow uh may 25th 46th anniversary of star wars 40th anniversary of return of the jedi next monday i am uh doing an episode of monster mondays on the william friedkin cult classic the guardian so uh look forward to that as well those can those can all be found at filmseizure.com follow us facebook twitter instagram you'll find out when things drop you can also subscribe to us on various podcast platforms also tomorrow uh, or um, this friday at uh, bmovieinema.com my website I have a review of Memorial Valley Massacre starring the the Heavenly Father Cameron Mitchell in one single (laughs) scene. I think I hear him. Uh, Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. No, not right now. He's not. All right. Anyway. He lost his voice in the clouds. (laughs) (laughs) Anyhow, so that's what's coming up. Um, Yeah. I hope to see everybody there. 
at those various things. But in the meantime, I need to go back on my quest for my own Holy Grail and uh, kick the Red Knight in the dick. I've been Jeff Arbuckle. I'm Chuck Moore. I'm Jason Oliver, and you have been listening to Film Seizure. Hit the road, Jack.